0: Episode 10 of the Creator Podcast, we are excited to have a guest who I have known for a long time, Nakia Sufran, Nakia Reyes, sorry, um, got to go with that married name. Um,
1: My husband, not, he will hear about it.
0: <laughs> so Nakia Reyes runs uh, Neighborhood Montessori, and I've known her since uh, she worked at Camp Wonderland many, many years ago. And we're excited to have you on for our first episode of 2020. Darrell, just so, so you have a, a little more understanding of who Nakia is, Nakia is that friend who laughs at you when you fall down a flight of stairs. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I that,
1: will that's... ask you how you're doing after I'm done laughing,
0: though. And That's, that's right, part. after you've... After you've gotten control of yourself again, um, I, I actually, when I was doing campus ministry, uh, we took a trip out to Urbana, InterVarsity's uh, mission conference, mm-hmm. and I had um, overpacked my bag, uh, as you do, and it was this um, like backpack thing that had a smaller zip-off backpack on the back. I, I used to love that bag, <laughs> but anyway, I had overpacked it, and we were walking it was after Urbana ended and Urbana ends with this beautiful candlelight service right as the new year, uh, comes in. And so we're all sort of in that spirit and then we're walking away and my backpack unzips and all of my stuff, like all my toiletries, (laughs) all the little stuff I had collected in the, uh, in the vendor area, in the exhibit exhibition area falls out of the bag. And, um, and everybody else, there's twenty thousand, you know, Christian college students, they're all in super Christian mode. And so they're all running to help me get the stuff back in my bag, total strangers. And there's Nakia and our other friend Cole, and they are just doubled over laughing as hard as they can. Like they are not gonna help because they can't even stand up. They're laughing so hard. Well that, um, that's
2: that's also how you know
0: they cared the most.
1: Exactly. That's exactly correct. Yeah.
0: And Nakia was part of the well, the uh, the Bible study that uh, Phil Lager and I started in the in the basement of the venerable old Ju- yes. Jubilee House in Dorchester. Yes, nice. many good times there. Very good times. Um, nowadays, she is the founder and uh, and director. What is your title at Neighborhood so, Montessori? So
1: Neighborhood Montessori is still happening. It's still in fruition. So. Unfortunately, EEC is making me jump through all the hoops in the world, which Mm -hmm. I'm totally prepared for. Not a problem. This is going to happen. Like, I know that, you know, God put this in my heart. This is, you know, we're actually in the classroom now. But uh, it has been set up. You know, this is the dream come true. So now that they're, you know, just making me do all these different things, I'm just like, it is what it is. Tell me what you need to do. And it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. It started out. Um, so this is actually a friend in the communities, um, to family, and she was looking for care for her child. She knew that I loved, you know, preschool teaching, and I had recently gotten into Montessori training. You know, I've had that for about five years, and then decided that my school would be Montessori, and that I wanted to, I wanted to bring it back into the neighborhood. You know for the poor, where it started off, where Maria mm-hmm. had started it for. Um, at the moment, I am helping at my old school, which is Torrent Montessori downtown, which I absolutely love, um, but nobody can afford it. You know, people who look like me cannot afford it. It, it costs a college tuition to go there
2: oh, at, yeah.
1: as a preschooler. And I'm like, this is not, you know, I love this school. I love the director, love everybody there but I want this for my community. And so I left uh, my school two years ago to try to start up my neighborhood Montessori and it's officially taking two years to get that going.
0: Got it. So what what was your uh, introduction to Montessori? How did you get into it? So
1: I I was working um, at a job, Bright Horizons downtown, and I was working full time year round. I just did not ever take a vacation. And so my director she was like you got to use up these vacations like you're racking up years here like you got to use vacations and I'm like it's just not in my system to like you know remember to you know make that checkbox and take off two weeks And so I just, you know, started thinking, you know, this is not a healthy lifestyle for me, you know, to just keep working straight through. And so then I just felt like, you know, I should look for a school that has vacation built into it. (laughs) So then I don't have to do anything, you know, I can still... Mm -hmm. You know be there. I don't really like, you know, calling out or you know, those kinds of things. So if I found a school who already had vacations built into it, then you know I'm halfway there. And so I started to look for um, school year positions. I found tour at Montessori, um, started working there as an after school teacher. And then the director saw me working with the children and said, you need to take Montessori training. You're a Montessori teacher, like okay. just the way that Um, After I took the training, uh, worked with the kids and realize, you know, what this is really doing, just really helping children to be as independent as possible, as young as possible. It's really crazy to see like a toddler pouring their own drink or, or serving their friends and all those kinds of things. And so I just fell in love with it and was like, this is, this is what I want my school to be. Like, I want children to be independent. I want them to problem solve with each other. You know, I don't want to be, you know, the teacher for every single thing. Like I want to teach them that they can. And, you know, they have the power to do it themselves. And so um, after having my classroom and seeing that that was possible and seeing children problem solve with the smallest thing, that was my ball. But I want to use it. (laughs) You can use it after me and, you know, Mm -hmm. shake hands and be good. I was like, that's what's up. I need to take this, you know, I need to take this to the neighborhood and really teach children that, you know, it's not always about violence. It's not about fighting. It's, you know, you can really use your words to solve problems. And so that's that's where the the dream kind of, you know, started to evolve because I knew I would always have a school. I just didn't know what what, what was my philosophy going to be and what was I going to really teach, what was really going to be important to me. And so when I found Montessori, I was like, this is it. This is definitely
0: it. So, so for someone who doesn't understand the difference between Montessori and maybe other approaches to education, how would you describe that difference to somebody who's not familiar with Montessori?
1: So for me, the main difference that I first saw um, within myself, because I was not a Montessori teacher. I mean, I came from, you know, working at camp and being able to use my voice and, you know, controlling, you know, the masses. And so coming into Montessori, everything is like just grace and courtesy. Everything is very polite and pushing your chair and yes, please. And thank you. And it just takes you back to the, you know, to basics. And so it was just like a no-brainer. Like there's so many just adults even that just do not have the normal grace and courtesy, and so. Oh,
2: amen to that. There's,
0: <laughs> That's yeah, right.
1: there's, just, there's just you know a ton of independence that that the kids um, gain. Like they don't have to cry about everything. They can say, you know, Miss Naki, can you help me with my zipper? You don't have to get frustrated and have a temper tantrum. Like using helping them to use their words. Is really really
0: incredible. I think there are some people in Washington that could use a Montessori education and some uh, civility and some I, please and thank you right about now. I know I know
2: some people in West Nyack, New York. Um, <laughs> I won't I won't say the address, but uh, they, they know who they are. But when you think about the uh, style of school that that uh, you're teaching, and and I'm thinking of some of our listeners who who might be googling. Montessori right now, and they're going to spell it wrong the first three times, and, uh, but, but when, they, when they looked this up and they had to be able to ascribe a, a short definition to it, how would you explain to them the mission of, of your type of school?
1: So the mission of my school, I I should look it up on my computer. <laughs> so,
2: well, I hope you spell so it right. Off
1: the, off the top of my head, the mission of my school would be to really empower children to be their best self. From, you know, from it's like Montessori is not only academics. Like once we get into academics, you don't you see the children just fly through. You see children reading at you know, three and a half, four years old, you know, they're yeah. learning math because there's manipulatives and that's all great. And I love that, you know, the academic part can push children so far with, with the right materials. But for me, it's really about um just just helping children to gain that grace and courtesy back. Just, yeah. you know, being the best citizen that you can be. Because the reality is is that, you know, adults are out the door. Like, we need to teach the children how, you know, we need to be respectful of each other. We need to treat everybody with kindness. We need to be open to to people who don't look like you. And that's not being taught. You know, and so the fact that it's being done in Montessori, and that we're celebrating cultures and and everybody's holiday, and parents get to come in and share where they've gone, and all this kind of things, mm-hmm. it really helps children to see. Oh, you know, there are people who don't sound like me and don't look like me. They don't dress like me. They don't eat the same foods as me. And it just really helps to just you know bring everything full circle. Mm-hmm.
0: So according to Wikipedia, the Montessori method of education developed by Maria Montessori is a child-centered educational approach based on scientific observations of children. Montessori's method has been used for over 100 years in many parts of the world, and the Montessori method views the child as the one who is naturally eager for knowledge and capable of initiating learning in a supportive, thoughtfully prepared learning environment. It attempts to develop children physically, socially, emotionally, and cognitively. Mm So, as you have worked in that arena, what do you see in the kids as as sort of a product of that style of education that you feel is is different from what you've seen in other forms of education?
1: So, in your so in in the classroom, there's a three year um, there's a three year cycle where you'll see children at three years old, four and five, and the, hopefully they're with their same teacher for those three years. That's the oh. whole. Um, So when you're three coming in, there's tons of mistakes that, you know, they're just learning tons of spilling, tons of messing up all of this stuff. But by the time that they're five, um, they're pouring things, they're serving lunch to their friends, their, you know, children have been seen sewing pillows with actual sewing needle and thread. Um, there's just so much stuff cooking like it just it doesn't end tying other people's shoes you know helping them with um, helping them clean up a spill going to get the towel comforting them when they're sad you know bringing them to the Mm -hmm. window to wave goodbye to their mom so there's just so much empathy in in the five-year-old child that's not there in the three-year-old child um, but that takes a lot of You know, the teacher being consistent and, you know, just guiding them because we don't like to call ourselves the teacher and we don't really like to be seen in the classroom. We want the classroom to be for the children and led by the children. So we try to be more of a guide. And something I like to tell the children is if they have a problem, you know, ask three friends before you come to me. So either try to solve it yourself, Mm. ask Drew, ask, I'm sorry,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Darrell. And any, anything but Daryl.
1: <laughs> yeah, so so basically ask three other people that you know um, that could help you with that problem before you get to me. And that just free, Not, not only does it just free up the teacher, it really helps them to understand, you know, I'm responsible for this space. This is a space that I can take care of. I can water the plants. I can polish the plants. I can, you know, this is not... Miss Nakia's job. This is all of our job. Yeah, so so, I, I really so
0: we it. focus, uh, you know, our focus is really on creativity. So how do you see creativity emerge in your students in that Montessori uh, environment that might be different from a, a tradi- more traditional educational environment yeah. for that age group? So the
1: materials that we have here, um, if you happen to look up Montessori materials, they seem like very basic and just like blocks and, you know, things you know, can be graded gradually. And the children absolutely, like, love the simplicity because there's not something that's telling them what it needs to be or what you need to do with it or where to put it. It's kind of like, you know, you've got a bunch of, you know, wooden blocks and you can make a skyscraper, you can make a house, you can make this or that, and it's not necessarily saying, oh, well, here's the the chimney and so this belongs on a house type thing. So it kind of just helps them develop on their own. What do I want this to be? What am I interested in? And that's all learned from learning how to grade. You know, the smallest block to the largest block, and then maybe looking at patterns or looking at buildings. And they'll say, "Oh, that looks like a um, a rectangle." When we go outside for a walk, or that looks like an octagon. And you're like, "These kids are really piecing things together." By yeah materials that we have in the classroom and it just sometimes it can be absolutely mind-blowing because we also learn about the different um the countries you know and all the continents and some kids before you move on to another map you have to know all the countries in one continent and it's absolutely crazy because sometimes they'll just, you know they'll just be naming off all the countries in africa and i'm like i'm not even sure <laughs> like let me go back and take a look because I had no idea like they're they're just sponges they can soak up so so much more than we we can think that they they can do which is like
2: it's really incredible to see them learn. So when you in this process and you encourage that creativity because I believe that problem solving takes an element of creativity Mm -hmm. and how do you continue to praise um, unique solutions that where where two different students can come to a, a, a solution without going the same route. Um, I, I'm a father of two small girls who um, who think they're the same age as me, and <laughs> they go about things very differently. An example would be they have their toy cars that they drive around, and uh, if I said to my four-year-old, "Hey, do you drop something under the car?", she'd get in her car, reverse, and pick it up. Whereas my two-year-old would just try to flip the car over. And right. you know, she's she's getting it done, right. but, you know, going about her own way. So I just, I'm just curious, how do you continue to praise the uniqueness of solutions that are uh, creativity-based?
1: Yeah, so both of those ways to solve that problem happened, you know, neither one of those ways were wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: think the way that we see how problems should be solved is what sometimes gets in the way. And mm-hmm. unless somebody is being, or at least in my class, nobody is being physically hurt and you're not hurting yourself you're not destroying the classroom solve the problem however you want no matter how long it takes because the it's the process that we really want the children to you know to go through go through that process if somebody spills something I don't want to get you know I don't want to get the towel for them and be like hey, Alicia, use this paper towel, you know, use this towel, it's going to be easier. I will watch her go and get a napkin, soak up that napkin, she's going to get another napkin, and it might, it might take 50 napkins before she realizes, you know, the, it's still wet on the ground, and she might ask for help. So let her go through that process of, you know, the way that I'm not, that I'm doing it might not be working, and I need to ask somebody else for help, rather than me saying, Hey, let me help you do this because I'm projecting the way that I want it to be done rather mm. than you know the child learning that, you know, when I make a big spill this this large, I should get a towel rather than a paper towel type thing. Mm. And so even those little things are all learning and you know they gravitate towards that and they hold on to that much better than me telling them go get a towel. They'll spill something again and they'll still go for the napkin. And I'm annoyed and say, go go for the towel. They'll spill something again and still go for the napkin. So if I let them just learn and go through that long process on their own, they're going to hold on to that knowledge much better.
0: And uh, you said your director, you know, encouraged you to get Montessori training and said, you know, you are a a Montessori teacher. Um, You have always been, to me, a very unique person, you know, a person who was not just going along with the crowd or whatever. Uh, how do you feel like your um, education and, and your life would have been different if you had had uh, had access to Montessori education instead of the best the Worcester Public Schools could oh, offer to you? My gosh, I, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I say this all the time, especially with math, because math was like my absolute like downfall. It was so difficult for me to like just grasp numbers, and I was always kicked out of class, and I had to do my work at the principal's office, and it was just really an annoying time because I just couldn't figure figure out what it was, you know, something was missing and I couldn't, you know, make numbers click that fast in my head. And so when I saw it being done in Montessori and with, you know, manipulatives, how quick children were getting things, I was like, if I had this, you, you know, people would have thought I was a genius,
0: like,
1: yeah. <laughs> because it's so, it's just so simple and it breaks it down so easily. That every time you see a child working with the materials, you're like, oh, they're so smart. And it has nothing to do with them being smart. It's just such a simple form for them to understand. And so I only wish I could have had that in my, in my school. I mean doing the Montessori training when it was time to do the math testing. I was like, so scared. I was like, I'm not good with numbers. I can't do this. And my instructor, she was like, this is not like high school. This is definite, this is very different. So don't don't worry about it. And sure enough, you know, you, I passed. Um, but that initial um, feeling of like going back to high school and I'm working with numbers, and oh my gosh, everybody's gonna know you know, it's just like, ah, it was right there. But I really, I wish that I had access to um, Montessori, and just, you know, just being in that environment alone is, it's just so helpful to be able to learn at your own pace rather than the pace that the teacher wants you to yeah. learn. And if mm. you're not learning at my pace, then you're, you're disruptive. And if you're going to be disruptive, then get out of my class. And, you know, it just took forever to learn that way. So yeah, yeah I, I and
0: and how far does Montessori go? I mean, can can someone go through high school in a Montessori environment?
1: Yeah, there's Montessori there's high schools. Um, our school goes to sixth grade. I know that there's an eighth grade, I think, in Braintree. Um, but there are Montessori's that go through high school. I don't I'm not sure if there's any in, in Massachusetts,
0: I'm not positive. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like uh, products of Montessori would just do so much better in a college environment because mm-hmm. you're already in charge of your own learning by the time right. you get there. And that's right. so much of what sort of the, the typical, uh, the, the traditional educational path. Um, you get to college and then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I only have class for how many hours a week? And then the rest right. of the time I'm in charge of my own, you know, right. um, I, I think right. that's a shock to the system for a lot of students and, and especially first uh, first in their family college students, I think really struggle with that. And I think it's part of the attrition rate issue with that, with that population is, uh, there's nobody to tell them, Hey, look, this is an entirely different learning experience once you get there.
1: Right. Um, Right. And the kids get to experience that once you're a kindergartner or five year, um, you get a lot, a lot of work has, You know, they have a lot more work to do. They, like, do a lot of reading. They do a lot of sentence work. They do journals. And if you haven't written in your journal at least once every, you know, once every day, by the time Friday comes around and you want to do X, Y, Z, I can't allow you because you have not done your work. And so we, we had a student who would just, you know, I'll do all my five sentences on Friday and then they would forget and they'd want to do do something and i'd say you're responsible for your own work and you know <laughs> i told you the rule is on monday if you don't write in your journal every day then by friday you can't join in in whatever it is you know i'm not going to keep reminding you and so getting them into that into that habit of i'm responsible to go into my own folder and go do my journal yeah. writing Miss is not gonna tell me to do this before lunch or before we go outside. It just you can see the switch in them and what becomes important. Like if another Well,
0: if if five year old Drew had only learned that procrastination was a bad thing, <laughs> right, gosh, right. my whole yeah. life would be different. Yeah. We
2: we would have started this podcast seven years
0: ago. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I didn't know you seven years ago. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, but seeing
1: them, uh, <laughs> just try to interact with their friends or their friends saying, let's go draw or something. And they, you know, it clicks. I haven't written in my journal. We only got 20 minutes before we go outside there. You know, they make that choice. Like I have to write in my journal before I do, you know, extra activities. And so that is such a rewarding thing to finally, you know, in September, you know, you're telling them over and over, I can't let you do whatever you want to do on Friday. And then by January, you know, they're getting it. Sorry, I can't do this with you right now. I have to write in my journal. I I gotta do this, or I haven't finished my math lesson. It's just a very rewarding experience to be like, I I helped that kid do that. You know? Yeah. It feels really good.
0: Speaking of, of rewarding, I, I think one of the most interesting things about creativity is the struggle. And and I actually thought Neighborhood Montessori was up and running already. And so uh, talk to us a little bit about the struggle, because I think that's yeah. really where some of the... Nobody wants to go through it. Everybody yeah. just, you know, a- anybody that has a creative vision for something wants it to be, you know, right there, right now, but it rarely comes that way. So yeah. so talk to us about what it's like to have this sort of dream deferred, um, having to work through this thing.
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, so two years ago, um, the friends who own this uh, two families said to us, you know, why don't you have your Montessori in our first floor? You guys move in, you know, do a live in thing. And so I was like, let me look into it because I didn't want to, you know, count my chickens before they hatch. You know, I like to make sure mm-hmm. of everything. And so I looked into it. It seemed very simple. And so I was like, OK, you know, let's go let's go through with this. I want to I want to try it. And so, you know, my husband knocked down a wall, made two bedrooms into one large classroom. Um, I set everything up. I bought all the materials that I needed, got all the shelves, um, did all my certificate training, all the hours that I needed, CPR, first aid, blah, blah, blah. My licensor came, she saw the school. This is wonderful. I'm so glad you're in this neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. Your license should be in the mail within a week. And I was like, this is too good to be true. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, a week goes by. I call her up. Hey, the license never came. She's like, are you serious? I don't know what's going on. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by. It's not going in. What is happening? So she says, you need to contact um, BRC, background record check. So I call them and I say, you know, um, I've gotten my licensor visit my last step is, you know, receiving my license and I'm not sure what's happening. They tell me they're going to personally send it to me. (laughs) It should be in the mail by Friday. Friday comes and goes. It is not in the mail. This happens at least two or three times that I call BRC and say, hey, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Um, they finally, um call me or I call them and say you know I don't know what's what's happening like it's not ha- it's not um coming in it's not in the mail I've checked the mail it's definitely not here um they get a person another person on the line said I'm going to have you speak to somebody else and this person comes on very disrespectful uh she says I am not giving you your license I'm not going to I'm automatically disqualifying you to get your license because your husband's background record check came back with, um, with you know, reports on his record. And so you cannot have your license unless the only way that you would be able to obtain your license is if you divorce your husband. Oh, or
0: gosh. A, oh, my goodness. So that,
1: yeah. So those were the suggestions by the BRC to divorce my did husband.
0: You, did you tell her how long you've been waiting for him?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. She had no kids, she didn't know, so uh, that phone call ends, my husband comes home, I'm crying my eyes out, I'm like, I can't believe how disrespectful, like, who suggests that, I couldn't even believe it, so, you know, that time comes and goes, and I'm just like, you know, just thinking like, Lord, what, what does this mean, like, this cannot, this can't be the end, because I've already been dreaming and thinking about this since childhood, and now I can actually see it. You know, the classroom is up. All the materials are in. So what is it that, you know, needs to happen? Make a way for, you know, open a door. Do what it is that you need to do because I already know that this is going to happen. Um, so we have another friend in the community who has a, like, a community living house. And so she says, well, why don't you and Bert will come live in our house? We'll charge you very cheap rent, and then you can still have your montessori school so i'm like all right next step i don't care for community living i'm not a fan of it at all i'm not (laughs) not there yet i don't really like people in my business i don't like the door just being open all the time it's not what i do but jesus let's do it i will suck it up and let's do it so we moved um i told my licensor you know i want to start this process again this was uh this october 2019 i want to start the process again um, we've moved from the location. Um, my husband is no longer there. I have two friends who are who are living here that I'm renting out to. And what do I need to do to restart this process? Uh, that was in October. She emailed me December after Christmas and basically told me that I had um, I had to do X, Y, Z. But she would only tell me one thing at a time. So I do one thing and then she, you know, I email her again a few times. What do I need to do next? Then she'd tell me another thing. And that just went on. So um, that went on for a few like, just tell me everything that I need to do and I'll just do everything. Um, A couple weeks ago, she told me the last few things that I needed to do and I needed to have it done by January 10th or my application was going to be disqualified, which I'm not sure how, that's possible because I have at least a year Mm. to complete everything. And so I ignored it and just kept emailing her as things were finished past January 10th. Uh, She hasn't said anything about it yet, but (laughs) we will see. Uh, There are people in the neighborhood who like, you know, work for the city council and all that stuff that know of this, um, that what's happening. So there are a lot of ears and emails and stuff happening around. So I'm not sure if she's just getting annoyed with me or what's happening, but it's definitely being drawn out for whatever reason. Um, Hopefully this week I will get some kind of an email and reassured that yes, you actually can go along with the process because um, giving me until January 10th doesn't actually make sense. That's, yeah, it
0: sounds like that window was really tight. You said it, it was a December conversation and then after, it, Christmas. Yes. Yeah. after mm-hmm. Christmas.
1: Yeah, after Christmas conversation, although I emailed in October. And I'm, I'm glad that I have all the emails and all the conversations like documented because you know that would be the only way that I can prove, yes, I emailed you and your supervisor back in October and yeah. asked you what I need to do, and I didn't get a reply until after Christmas. So um, we'll see. Unfortunately, just
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just keep on keeping on.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, I find that even even in that struggle, that difficulty, the the the, the persistence also feeds into the creative process and, yeah. and the fact that, you know, you, you have to approach it different ways. You yeah. know, you have to keep figuring out solutions, just like you teach with your students. You know, if, yeah. if the napkin's not working, now we gotta pick up a towel. Right. And and so just even embedding and living what you're teaching, I think is just a wonderful thing and reinforces the importance of why your type of education is necessary for, for yes, our community.
0: So we've we've referenced Berto a couple of times. Why don't you give us the brief uh, love story? And Darrell, you gotta know this that um not every spouse has uh has sort of a title or <laughs> uh or a nickname the way he does. So uh, okay. just you know, walk us through it. How did you guys come together?
1: So my silver fox <laughs> Um, actually, he would love to tell this story because when we first met, he did not like me. He thought I was a snob. He thought I was stuck up. And unfortunately, he so he's the uh, building manager at at our school, and so that's how we met. We work at the same place. Um, but when I'm at work, I'm there to work. Like I'm not there to chit chat and flirt and oh, can you help me with this? Like. I do things, I'm very independent, like I try to figure it out on my own and so I think that kind of made Bertle feel like, oh, she's not very friendly and my husband's <laughs> super friendly, like very chatty, can talk to anybody, knows why the supermarket's mother, you know, is in the hospital on Tuesday, <sighs> like just knows everybody. Um, so he didn't like me September to like December. And we had our staff Christmas party, and that's when he saw me, you know, a little bit eased up, I guess, making jokes, He liked me. Um, I was taking pictures with all the other staff members, and on the way out the door, he was like, hey, I didn't get a picture with you. And I was like, that's okay, there's always next year. Like, I was not,
0: <laughs> I was not
1: famous, like, at all. Like, who cares? Like, I'm also not the type of person that feels like I need to be in a relationship. Like, I'm a very content person. (laughs) Um, So I I was like, you you know, there's always next year. Don't worry about it. He found me on Facebook, you know, was messaging me and just like, you know, I I would like to get to know you. And, you know, I am also a very honest person. (laughs) And so I told him, you know, I'm not trying to lead anybody on. I'm only dating a Christian man, somebody who loves Jesus. Um, he told me he did. I told him he was lying, that he didn't get <laughs> with
2: me. That's that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much
1: that's pretty much how it went for a little while. Um, then he, you know, just asked if, you know, we could go out for dinner in a movie, which I was like, all right, let me let me see what this guy got. If he don't recite some Bible verses, then I know some <laughs> he's he's not. He, he's not the real deal. But uh, we went out for dinner. We had a great time. He shared his testimony, and I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. I was really blown away. Like, he was super transparent. Um, nothing like any other guy i had ever met. You know, many other guys are always afraid to like tell the dirty truth.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he wasn't. And I was like, dang, this guy's crazy telling me all this <laughs> on the first, you know, first encounter. And yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, if he could be this transparent. You know, this is something that I that I would love to be with. You know, I'm not perfect at all, but I definitely love transparency. I love honesty, and not, you know, sugarcoating things. I don't like things to feel like, you know, everything's gonna be all right. Like I don't mind hearing the dirty, gross, nasty stuff because that that lets me know, you know, I'm also dirty, nasty, and gross too. You know that. (laughs) All right, let's do this. We could do this. Type of thing, but yeah, so then the rest is history. He asked me to marry him in, in at our church, um, in front of everybody, and I said yes. It started out as a testimony, and mm. he asked me to come up, so yeah,
2: Damn. yeah, the old in front of the church trick, the
1: old in front of the church, trick. exactly. <laughs> everybody was screaming. One woman said it was the best day of her life. And,
0: oh. <laughs> and it wasn't you. Our I'm glad you could What be about
1: there. like when we got met? What about our yeah. kids? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it was it was hilarious.
0: And and some of what he uh, shared about in that transparency on the first date is that is that some of the stuff from his misspent youth that's coming back in this obstacle to the to yeah. the neighborhood Montessori. Yeah,
1: yeah. He was my husband was um, in and out of jail a lot in mm-hmm. his youth, so he spent probably. His teens, probably till his thirties, maybe early thirties or so, in and out of jail. You know, on drugs, you know, alcohol, um, women. Like he's he said he's never been in a relationship, that I'm his first actual relationship. But he's just had many, many women. You know, mm. many. You know, the drugs, just living the life of you know somebody who wants to just live that life, and that's what he did. You know in and out of stolen cars and I was just like what are you talking about like yeah <laughs> not what you say to the person you know you want to see again um but I just really saw his heart and he he is always somebody who like working on changing himself and you know just being better he's always like Getting up, and I'm just listening to how to be a better husband, and this you like. He's very motivated person,
2: which That's I'm just
1: like, this guy is so great. Like, wow, he cooks, he cleans. Well,
2: he it's a good thing you everything. didn't wait till next year.
1: Yeah, I made out, <laughs> I made out big time. But yeah, his transparency, it really like just outshines.
0: Thank you for joining us for part one of our conversation with Nakia Reyes about her dream deferred to establish Neighborhood Montessori. I think you're probably like us in believing that this is a vision that God has placed on Nakia's heart and therefore it will come to pass. And we will certainly be praying to that end and keep you posted on that journey as it continues to unfold.